team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we draw, we can score it when we wanna. Oh, it's been a while since I've done this, but welcome to Podski Wee Wee. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, I don't know about you. I'm, you feel a little rusty? It's been like, what, almost a month now since we've been out here giving out hot takes and terrible analysis and piss poor opinions. Mm-hmm. Feeling a little like out of sync with uh, with that sort of thing right now? Like I, I do. You do as well? A little bit. You know, we've done a couple. We did the the pregame show, a live show for the Labor Day game, and then we did the post-game show, and then uh, I did the post-game show after the Ottawa game, which was a, a slow first half, but a, but a very entertaining se- second half. It was, it was fun to watch. So, yeah, but to get back to the regular podcast uh, is a good thing, and, and I do feel a little bit rusty in that manner. Okay, okay. You know what, then? I'm going to fire off uh- – a hot take that's probably going to like make a lot of people listening to this angry at me. You ready for this one? Yeah, shoot it out there. The United States of America does football better than Canada. So my basis for this is I went to the Pittsburgh Steelers, San Francisco 49ers game in Pittsburgh over the weekend. That's the reason I wasn't on the post game show. I, I, I was uh, somewhat editing uh, your, your post game show. And I heard you at the end say like, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not here. I guess there was big, one of the reasons is I was leaving really early Saturday morning to head to Pittsburgh. So staying up late was a little bit difficult, but I do want to thank Troy and Adam for stepping in for me. Uh, great job. I thought you guys did an excellent job, but it was a really fun show. I'll have that edited up and hopefully put it on our podcast page in the near future for everyone to enjoy. that couldn't join you guys live, but yeah, I get to Pittsburgh. It was maybe one of the best times I've ever had attending any sporting event, Mike, and I know that I, I can, I, we don't, this isn't a video podcast, but I can feel you shooting daggers at me right now. The tailgates were fantastic. I'm not a tailgate guy, but we kind of weaved in and out of the tailgates to see what they were like. That was awesome. The atmosphere in downtown Pittsburgh throughout the day before the game was fantastic. The atmosphere inside the stadium, like just everything was, was top notch, man. And like the energy was electric and it, as much as I hate to say, because I love the CFL and I, I love this country, but it's just not replicated up here. And I, it's not a CFL thing because I don't think we do the same thing with the Jays or the Raptors or even hockey teams up here. There's just something about the Americans and their sports. They just do it better than we do it up here. And I know that CFL fans and probably the vast majority of people listening to this never want to hear the NFL praised in any way, shape or form. But the game day experience that I had in Pittsburgh, Mike, it was better than anything I've experienced up here. So be, can't, be, be, be kind, be gentle with me here. I know this is not how we usually like to start a CFL podcast when we go on the NFL rules, but 
it was pretty freaking cool, man. I, I, I'm actually really excited to try to go do it again, maybe next year or somewhere down the line. I just, I just wish we could have it up here. You know what I mean? Yeah. We talked a little bit before recording and <clears throat> you know, you're right. America, they just care more about sports, especially football. I mean, you look at, you look at the you know top 100 rated shows on, on cable TV in America, and like 90 of them are, are NFL games, and you know seven or eight of them are college football games. So it's just that that sport dominates that country, and uh, you know we just can't replicate what the states do down there. I mean they have way more more people. They actually embrace their league. They love their league, and they love their teams. And there's a lot of pride there. Um, so with the 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 population being the difference in the population being what it is. It's like, it's like comparing the wire to Seinfeld. They're not, comparable. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, they're totally different. Someone listened to the three down nation podcast. I did. I did. And, uh, you know, I understand what you're saying. And I wish that we had that in this country. I wish I could go to a Hamilton game or an Edmonton game where I live and there be like that enthusiasm for the game. Even if, you know, their team isn't good, they're still showing up and they're still packing the place and they're still tailgating hours and hours before the game. We just don't care as much about sports as they do in the States. No. And maybe I was lucky because I went to Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't in, I'm trying to think of like, well, what's there? Cause there are cities in the States that don't care as much about their, like Jacksonville, for instance, like they're not as, I don't think ravenous as, as it's not the Nation tradition. Is. They're not. The yeah. Tradition. It's like, I, I imagine going to Chicago or going to green Bay or places like that would be similar to what I got in Pittsburgh. So maybe it was the Pittsburgh experience that I, I was lucky to get. Like, I don't think they, the same thing would happen if I went to Santa Clara and saw a Niners game in California. Like I, 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 the, I'm sure the atmosphere in Los Angeles for the Rams and the Chargers is nowhere near what it is in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. for the Steelers. So maybe I just got lucky in that respect. But uh, I just I just wish we could because Pittsburgh and Hamilton, very similar, like sister ish cities almost. You know what I mean? Like steel communities, hard nose, like the, st- the the colors are identical. Like there's a lot of a lot of symmetry between those two places. I just wish, and again, you know, Pittsburgh's a city of a couple million people. Hamilton is half a million. So again, the economies of scale work here as well, right? But oh man, I just I just wish that we could have that sort of like walking through downtown Pittsburgh on my way. We parked a, a about 15 minute walk from the stadium, 20 minute walk from the stadium, so that we could get out of there a lot easier as opposed to parking close to the stadium and just walking down and seeing everybody I saw, and I'm not, that's not an exaggeration, but everybody I saw was wearing Steelers gear other than the, the Niners fans like myself that made the trip down there. But I just wish that, you know, I wish that you were, you were going to a game day in Edmonton and you turned a corner and it was just Elks gear as far as the eye could see. Mm -hmm. We just don't do it up here like that. And it's, I just wish we did. You know what I mean? I think that would be you know, we all deserve a little fun. I think sports is fun. I just, I wish we, we would have a, that, that little bit of extra fun that, that comes with kind of being that ravenous for our, for our local sports teams. I just, just, just a small wish. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it doesn't have to be 68,000 people in no. a stadium, you know, like if there was a rabid 30,000, you know, 30,000 people going to games and they were younger because obviously the CFL skews older in certain markets and pretty much every market, but yeah, if you have that younger crowd, you're going to get that more electric atmosphere. So, you know, if we had 30,000 people that were enthusiastic and ready to go and, 
you know, pumping in the noise, you know, we could, we could replicate that, but we just, it's just, it's just tough in this country. And I know that, you know, Tiger Cat fans are rabid and there's, you know, it's always close to a sellout and they're, and they're great fans, but it's just like, I just wish we had that too. The one knock I will throw on them though is man, oh man, when their team's losing, do they exit that place fast? There was like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter and people were leaving. Like the Steelers went for it on fourth down inside San Francisco's like 15 yard line and the Niners stopped them and got the ball back. And then that place just emptied out. And it's like the one thing I'll say about going to tie cats games is when the team's losing that emptying out happens a little bit late. It's called more closer to the three minute warning than it would be like a third of the way through the final quarter. So I will say that at least CFL fans are a little bit more loyal in that respect. Like there was, there was a dude, the guy that was sitting next to me, they were talking about like, I, it was 20 to nothing, 20 to seven at halftime. And the Niners scored on like the second play in the second, in the second half. And it was then I'm sitting there and they they were already planning on like, okay, well how long until you guys want to get out of here? And it's like, we're two minutes into the third quarter and they're already talking about dipping. So I'll give CFL fans credit. I don't think they leave in droves as quickly as what I saw in, in Pittsburgh, but uh, I think that's enough NFL talk. I think, uh, more there's so many people now i think listening to this that are ready to fire off angry tweets at me call me an idiot for like in the nfl but i just wanted to share my my why i wasn't with you on on friday night and just my overall hope that maybe one day we can get uh we can get football to 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 that level in this country but say la vie but let, you ready to get into some tie cat stuff buddy yeah let's talk about our team can you believe that we have just six games remaining in the regular season. Like we didn't talk about it cause I wasn't with you, but they won on Friday night, beat Ottawa in Ottawa, 27 to 24. I just can't believe that we're two thirds of the way through the season. Where, where did the time go? How was it already September? You know, one of my friends actually text, texted me after the game on, uh, or maybe it was the day after and asked how many games the Ticats have left. And I said, seven. <laughs> And that was incorrect. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's gone by really quickly. Um, even though it's been kind of a hair pulling type of season, it's flying by and we're in the last quarter of the season. It's and we're we're you know, we're going into the home stretch and these games, these last six games are hugely important. So it's basically the playoffs come early. Pretty much, pretty much. So the Ticats are five and seven. They have a four point lead now over the Red Blacks for third in the East, but they swept that season series against Ottawa. So they really have a three game lead Ottawa. If they wanted to overtake Hamilton for third in the East would have to have one more win. Or I guess one more point that I guess the tie, if they could tie and, and, and theoretically go a point and not necessarily a win up on the tie cats. So that's a pretty, pretty big lead at when you, when you think of there only being six games left for yep. both teams, they're also just one game back of the Alouettes for second after the Owls lost to the Argos over the weekend, but kind of like the Ticats and the Red Blacks, that lead is really two games because the Owls have already clinched the season series over Hamilton thanks to their two wins at Tim Hortons Field earlier this year. The Stampeders, are their hopes for the crossover spot took a big hit. They lost the Labor Day rematch with the Elks last Saturday. That dropped them to 4-9. and nine. They're now two games back of the Ticats, even though it's only one game back in the win column because everyone, if you don't, Recall this, the fourth place team in the West has to have a better record than the third place team in the East. So if these two teams, let's say, finish eight and 10 each, the Ticats would be in, the Stampeders would be out. The Elks, with that win, kind of pumped a little more life into their playoff hopes. But three and 10, I don't know about you. I think we mm -hmm. talked about this. We might talk about it on the pregame show. 
three and 10 feels like there's a lot of ground to make up there. I'm not necessarily sure if they're going to be able to get there. The Ticats are currently in a playoff spot. They have the final playoff spot locked down as of this moment. But is there a team out of the ones that are chasing them? Let, let's discount the uh, catching the owls is possible. A little, little hard to do, I think. But let's talk about the teams chasing them. Is there one team amongst the group below the Ticats right now chasing them for that final playoff spot that worries you more than the others? Or are you confident that none of them will will be able to ascend high enough to knock the Ticats out of at minimum third place in the East? I'm pretty confident that those teams aren't going to catch the Ty Cats. You know, <laughs> I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say. I'm pretty confident those teams suck. Well, that too. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I really think that Calgary sucks, and I and I love seeing Calgary suck. It's so heartwarming for me just to see that franchise not play well because they've been so well for so long. They've had the cocky fans for so long, and it's just nice to see them losing and losing in embarrassing fashion. Um, the Elks, I think, like you I said, think out, I think outside of the COVID year, which is they only played 14 games. So it's, I think this will be the first year the Stamps haven't won at least 10 games since like 2004. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's been a long mm-hmm. time since the Stamps have been like this mediocre. Uh, like, so yep. I'm sure it, you've been, you've been, we've, how long have we been doing this show? 2015. I think you've been calling for the Stamps demise now for like five years running. You finally mm-hmm. nailed it, buddy. Actually, well, did you, I didn't, though, because say, at the start you, of the season. Were you high in the stamps this year? So that's what you need yeah, to do. Yeah, because, because because every year I say, like, oh, this is the year they they, they fall down, and, and they never do. And I was like, I'm not going to be tricked this year. And I, I picked them. <laughs> I think they picked them to finish third or something like that. But uh, either way, I, I'm wrong all the time, so I'll be wrong again, and, and that's fine. But the Elks, the Elks look like a better team. They really do. And Trey Ford is... Um, put some swagger into that offense. His passing skills aren't that great, but he's an exciting player to watch. And I think there might be something there next year, but uh, we'll see. And Ottawa, you know, they had that little blip, uh, you know, five or six games in where they had two wins in a row against pretty good teams. And they've lost six in a row after that. So I don't trust in them. I don't trust in the stamps and the Elks are just too far behind to to play catch up. So I think that, uh, you know, the Tiger Cats don't have much to worry about with the teams behind them, unless they go on some crazy losing streak. But uh, I, I'm not too worried about them. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat, to be honest. I, well, you know what? Let's just get into this. What we're, our plan now is to, like, go through the remaining six games on the schedule and kind of give our thoughts on where this team could be. These aren't, like, I, I guess they're somewhat predictions, but I think we're going to kind of suss this out and try to figure out where we kind of stand on these things. You've had a chance to look at the schedule and give this some thought. So we're going to go game by game here and kind of figure out where we think this season is going to go over the final six games, whether or not we think that'll be enough for the Ticats to snag that coveted playoff spot. So we'll start with this week game. We won't go too much into it because we're going to do a preview later in the game. They got the Winnipeg Blue Bombers coming in here. What do you think about this? Like, is this, if you recall a year ago, these two teams met basically a year to the day when they'll meet this time. No one gave the Ticats a chance. They slapped the Bombers around, beat them by like 20-something points, I think. Do you think we're going to see something similar this week, or are you kind of chalking this? Because this is the first of like two really tough games back-to-back. You're chalking this one up as an L. Hamilton hasn't been great on the road. Like, What are you kind of thinking this one could come out on who's going to come out on the winning side of the ledger on this one, do you think? I mean, obviously my heart says the Ticats, but... 
The Bombers really smacked around the Saskatchewan Roughriders last week, as we predicted on our our betting show on Patreon. And I could see them coming in and uh, doing the same thing to the Ticats. I hope I'm wrong, but uh, I just can't see them winning this game. Yeah, this is a tough one. Like, I think a lot of people are going to, and as I did, focus on what they did a year ago. And it's like, I don't know, the Bombers kind of took them lightly maybe last time and they came in here and they got their asses kicked. And then I, I keep thinking like, oh, they just absolutely smoked the Riders in, in the Banjo Bowl. And I'm thinking, could this be a, one of those trap games where they're, I don't know. Like, to me, I, I don't think, I mean, you can't say that Hamilton's going to win this game just based on how they've been this year. So, like the only logical thing to say is that the Bombers will win this. So I'm kind of with you there. I just, I just don't know. I'm, I, but again, saying, oh yeah, Hamilton at five and seven is going to beat the, well, what are they, ten and three? I think. I mean, it's just it. That that's that's one of those like pie in the sky wishful thinking things. So I, I'm kind of with you on that one. Next game after that, September 23rd, it's a doozy. They head to Toronto to take on the Argos. Toronto's owned this series for the last two years. They've won six of the last seven between these one. They've won all three games this year by double digits. They last met on Labor Day. The Argos won that one going away. I do think the Argos are going to slip up a couple of more times. Like, I don't think this team's going 17-1. and I just don't know if – I just think they have Hamilton's number. What about you? Yeah, I'd be with I, – I'd be in agreement on that. I The Argos are a really, really good team. They just are, you know, in all three phases. So, I can't – I don't see the Ticats winning this one either. I think they go 0-2 in the next two. If they were to go 1-1, one and one, I think that I would be – I'd be almost like fully without question. They're making the playoffs. If they can win one of these two games, yeah. Even like if they beat Winnipeg, lose to Toronto, doesn't to me doesn't matter. If they lose to Toronto or uh, lose to Winnipeg, beat Toronto, like it doesn't matter which one they win. If they won either of these games, it's like they beat BC, they beaten one of the other top tier teams. This is good. This team's going to make the playoffs, and then we start having a conversation. I think if they can make a run at Montreal, because to beat one of the, even though it's like once here. One's in Toronto, so it's not even that far. If they can, if they can get a win here, but like I said, I'm kind of with you. It's like again, when it comes to picking against the Argos or picking Hamilton to beat the Argos, it's really foolish at this point. But uh, if they were to get one of those wins, I think that that's even though it only gets them to six wins, I don't think Ottawa's going to get to six wins, and Ottawa would have to get to seven wins. I I just don't see them winning four of their last six. I really, really don't. I don't see the Elks winning. Four of their last, I guess, would be what are they? Are they three and ten? So they have to win four of their yeah. last five. That that's not going to happen. And same with the Stampeders. I just don't think that that's that 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 they'd be able to do that. So if they can win one of these next two, I think they're they're pretty much. And Montreal, Montreal seems to be on the decline. A little I bit. I mean, I could I could see them losing a handful of games coming up in the next stretch here too. So um, I, I think the Ticats, you know, like you said, if they go one and one, I, I would be extremely impressed if they go one and one against. Uh, two of the best teams in the league, and I think they'd have a legit shot at Montreal if they did that. I, I think I can agree with you on that. Okay, perhaps the biggest game that will decide the Ticats' playoff fate comes on September 30th. They host the Calgary Stampeders here. The Stamps, in my opinion, feel like the biggest threat to the Tabbies right now, even if it's not a a, a big, like like you mentioned earlier, like you, none of these teams scare you. None of them really scare me either. But if there was a team that Maybe he could get on a run like Calgary's offense has at times looked really good. Their defense is, is a little shoddy. But if there's one team, it's the, the Stamps crossing over that I think is the biggest threat to Hamilton's playoff chances. 
this is that this is a game that they would ha- like if they were to win this game, I think that that would kill that idea as well. Again, not I'm, I'm we're looking at this from a, if everything stays kind of equal, like the stamps, not like if the stamps go on a, on a run and win the remaining games. Oh, we're talking we're having a different conversation. You know what I mean? But barring some miracle like that, this has got to be the game that kind of decides who's going to get that last playoff spot. It's in Hamilton. This could be the game where Bo comes back from his injury. So, you know, he's going to be extra motivated, whether that's a good thing or not, that that's you're up to you. I don't, I don't think the Stampeders will come in. It seems that that hex that the Stampeders had over the Ticats is now gone. You know what I mean? Like, and it was, it was a McMahon thing, but it's also been up until a couple of years ago, it was a, just a game thing. I think they'd lost like 12 in a row against Calgary or something like that. That's now out the window this is a game they're going to win, right? Like, I don't think there's any way to think that Calgary will come in here with, with what they've done so far and, and, Mm. and, and beat Hamilton, right? Like, you don't think that, do you? No, I don't think so. I think this is where they start putting it together. At this point, they'll have this game and then three more games left in the season. And I think they get a W here. I'm with you. I don't think Calgary is a good enough team to come into Hamilton and get the victory. Maybe it was in Calgary. I'd be a little bit more worried, but it's not. So yeah, I just don't see Jake Mayer and company, performing well enough to beat the Ticats at home. So the Ticats kick off the final month of the regular season by heading to Regina to take on the Riders on October the 7th. The Ticats have never won at New Mosaic Stadium since it opened in 2017, and they've lost eight of their last 10 in Regina. Last time they won there was 2015. Do they snap that skid this year? Do they finally get that first victory in the new stadium that's now not really that new? I think so. I think really? the Saskatchewan, yeah, I think the Saskatchewan Rough Riders came back, came crashing down to earth against the Bombers in the Banjo Bowl last weekend. I think Jake Dolagala is okay, but I think he might come crashing down to earth as well after having a, a couple good games this season. So, yes, it's been very hard for the Ticats, oh, impossible for the Ticats to get a win at uh, the new stadium in Saskatchewan, but I just don't think Saskatchewan is that great of a team, even though they sit at... I think six and six on the season, a better record than the Ticats at this point, but maybe it'll be a close one, but I think the Ticats pull this one out. See, I, I think they lose this one just because of the history there. And I think that given that these two teams are probably fairly equal, the Riders might be a little bit better. I just think that. Yeah, I think they're better on defense, actually. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, would, I would concede that for sure. Yeah, I just this feels like one of those ones that'll be really close and then they kind of pull it out at the end and you're like, Oh, okay, well, what do they have to do the remaining remaining parts of the season to, to make sure they get to the playoffs? So I'm going to chalk this one up as an L, but it's, it wouldn't surprise me if they won, but I just, again, with the history of that team going into Regina, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm too skittish to, or maybe it's cowardly to pick them to win that one. So the final home game of the season comes on October 13th when they host the BC lions, uh, the Ticats win over the Lions in August. NBC was one of the more shocking outcomes this year. Ticats can complete the sweep here and get this win, or do you think that the Leos exact a little bit of revenge and, and give the Ticats a little bit of their own medicine here? We're getting the win in this one too, Josh. Wow. We are beating the BC Lions again um, at home this time. You know, there was a lot of talk about the BC defense early on in the year, and I think they've they've – uh, regressed a little bit when it comes to mm-hmm. their defense. I think that teams have exposed, starting with Winnipeg, you know, about a month ago when they they threw the ball deep on them and really had success. So I think that BC's defense isn't as good as it was at the start of the season. And I think uh, Hamilton, I'm re- I like 
I really like Hamilton's offensive line now. So I think that if you can give whoever's the quarterback a lot of time back there, I think the offense is going to succeed. So I think that's what's going to happen in this one. Chalk it up for another W in the for the Ticats. I think they're going to do exactly what they did in BC and just run it down their throat. And we saw how great that worked against the Lions in BC. I don't see a reason why they can't do it here. I think they're going to win this one too. There's also the possibility that by this time in the season, the Bombers have wrapped up first place in the West and the Riders have slid enough where the Lions have wrapped up second place in the West. So they could be locked into their playoff spot before this game happens. And if that's the case, maybe if things maybe get a little out of hand, they, they start to pull some guys or maybe they're because they're probably not going to get the buy. They're going to have to play that, that semifinal weekend. Maybe they're doing a little bit of some guys are in, some guys are out sort of thing. So I, I just think that the timing of this game could also play into the Ticats uh, advantage as well. But I just think that they'll, they'll punch him in the mouth like they did in at BC place. And the Lions had no answer for that. I don't think they'll have an answer for it again. They're not built to stop the run. So let James Butler go do his thing. I think Ticats going to get this win, win as well. So uh, we're, we're in agreement on that one there. So last game of the year, Ticats, well, the Ticats get their final bye week in week 20 before this game where they head to Montreal to end their regular season against the Alouettes. Montreal's owned this, this team recently. They've won five of the last six, and that includes last year's East semifinal. So do you think the Ticats can end the season on a winning note or do the Alouettes once again get the W in this one and as they've done for the majority of the last two seasons? Four in a row. Four wow. wins in a row to end the season. The Ticats will beat the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, I feel like, like I said earlier, they're on the decline. I think that Cody Fajardo is an okay quarterback, but I don't think he's great by any stretch of the imagination. Um, the run game isn't that great either. Uh, so I think I think Hamilton's gonna gonna turn it up. They they have a tendency to turn it up down the stretch in the last couple of years, and I, I I'm hoping and I'm thinking that they'll have a repeat of, repeat of that this year. I also think they're gonna get the win here, and I think this maybe could be similar to what happened. And you know what that 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 means, Josh? Oh, uh, I the last four I, nine I, and I nine, baby, nine and nine. Been keeping track. I was just about to get there. I'm with you. I think they win this game in Montreal. I think that they get that monkey off their back. It's really hard to, unless you're an elite team, it's very hard to beat another team. Either you're an elite team or they're a terrible team. It's really hard to beat a team every time you play them. Like the Argos beating the Ticats every game this year is not a surprise if that's how that ends up going down because the Argos are just that much better, unfortunately. The Alouettes, I don't, I mean, they've had their number. They, they've won both games going away. This this just feels like one of those ones where it's the likely semifinal matchup. So maybe the Alouettes, especially if maybe they're lo- already locked into the two seed, they're sitting guys, they're not going to show as much. Hamilton gets the win. I think they're going to win this one too. So like you said, you got them going four and two in these last six to finish nine and nine. I got them going three and three to finish eight and ten. We've gone through the six games now. So at nine and nine, where do you think they're going to finish in the East? And most importantly. Do you think they make the playoffs? I think at nine and nine, it's a it. If they don't make the playoffs at nine and nine, something really gone wrong. Yeah, I think at nine and nine, they might be tied with Montreal for that second spot, but it will be given to Montreal because of the season series. So I think, but by both right, eight and ten, nine and nine, they're in the playoffs. Yeah, I got to think that honestly, I think seven and eleven will get them in. To be perfectly blunt, I just don't see how if they win seven games, that means the stamps. The Elks, 
I mean, the Elks would have to win out to, to overtake them. The Stamps would have to win four of their last six. Or, and and the Red Blocks have to win five of their last six. I just I don't see that happening. So I think seven wins gets you into the playoffs as the third seed in the East. But I do think that they're going to finish third. Like, that's where I kind of have them here going into Montreal for the second straight year in the East semifinal. So you're a little bit more bullish on them than I am. Is Does any of that have to do with what we saw last year? I know it's a different team, a lot of different players, but they did turn it on last year going mm-hmm. five and one down the stretch. Is that where you're kind of coming with some of these wins here where you think that much like last year's team, they're going to turn it on at the end? Yeah, that's that's part of it. And I, I just think the next two weeks are going to be really tough. And then after that, uh, they're going to rack together, you know, four wins in a row. So, uh, you know, it's it's been like that for the last couple of years. They they stink in the first half of the season and then they they turn it up after Labor Day. So I'm hoping that, that that's the case again this season. So let's say it plays out the way we have it. Do you think that in two weeks we're going to be hearing people talk about the skies falling? Like they're going to be five and nine. Oh, yeah. They're going yeah. to have lost two. And then you think everyone's going to going to like, I'll probably I mean, be one of them. But here's the thing. Okay. I was, I was going to bring it up. I was going to, would we be one of them? We're expecting this to happen. So we probably shouldn't yeah. be. We got to be even keel about this. We got to be, we got to have our, uh, our take integrity here. We think they're, they're going to lose these next two. We think they're going to be five and nine. So if we, I, I think, I think we have to make an agreement that either on this show or the post game show, we won't go too crazy in the negative. If they lose these next two, we will save that for the, the after the Calgary game. Are, are, can, can we make that that's promise fair. to the audience here? I think that's fair, right? I'll make a promise with a caveat. If they if okay. they look if they look good losing, I won't freak out. But if they look terrible, okay. If they if they stink up the joint against the two best teams in the league, uh, I might have my uh, my panic hat on. So okay, um, I will, okay. I will try to keep my cool though. I will try to keep my cool. Okay, that, I'm just thinking because if we think they're gonna lose then we can't yeah. be surprised if they lose. I That's think true. since we both have them losing these next two and then getting the win in Calgary, if they lose to the Stampeders, that I, cause you remember last year we were like, I think what, how did they open the season? They lost to the Riders, they lost to the Bombers and then they lost us. Oh, they lost to the Stamps. And then it was that game against the Elks. And we were like, look, they lost the Stampeders, good team. They lost the Bombers, good team. They lost to the Riders. We thought they were going to be a good team. It was the Elks game where we're like, we're not going to lose until they lose the Elks. Then they lost the Elks and we lost our minds. I think with this, it's the same thing. Winnipeg and Toronto, we know are the cream of the crop right now. It, I think it would be unfair if we started like, it, I, I wish, I hope, actually, it's not just me and you. I want the Ticat fans in general that are listening to this show. Let's all come to agreement that we won't be asking for anyone's resignation or firing or cutting anyone or trading anything if they lose these next two. Now, I do like Mike's caveat. If they get blown out of the water in both of these games, maybe we have a different conversation. But if if they just lose... As we expect, like, let's say they lose, let's say that the, the, it's a repeat of the first game of the season in Winnipeg, and it's a repeat of the Labor Day game. I know that those were both kind of ugly losses, but they weren't the worst losses we've seen from this team this year. Mm-hmm. How about if we make an agreement, everyone listening to this, we all agree, if they just lose these next two games, but it's it's not horrendously ugly, we, we calm down, we take a deep breath. We wait until after the Stampeders game on the 30th of September. We use that as our barometer for our freakout meters. That seems, I think that seems fair. That's fair. And uh, yeah, so if, if they lose three in a row, then we, you know, we, you have permission to lose your minds. Absolutely. And, and we, we will very much, if they lose the Stampeders, Absolutely. we will very much lose yes. our minds. 
So we got a listener question over on Patreon a few weeks back. If you're not subscribed to our Patreon page, we are, we took a little time off as, as both Mike and I were away, but now we're back going full time. So, uh, Go over there and, and listen to our stuff. S- subscribe on Patreon. It's only nine bucks a month for our top tier. Last plug that I will do for that. I got to get one plug in a week, Mike, but that's the last one. So it might seem a little off to discuss this after the teams won two of their last three, including coming off a big win against Ottawa. But I think this still warrants a little bit of discussion. So one of our patrons, Jim Martin, asked this. And here is I'm just going to read what he said uh, verbatim here. Are the 2023 tie Cats the most disappointing team you've ever seen? I think they're pretty close to the top of the list, though I guess things could turn around, however unlikely that is. My other contenders would be, and these are Jim's contenders, one, 1996. We started the year with Matt Dunnigan and an all-star late in defense, and we beat Flutie and the blue team in week two, but it all fell apart when the quarterback got injured. Number two was 2000. We were the defending Grey Cup champions, ready to run it back. Then Danny McManus got injured, sensing a pattern here, he says. And we watched Billy Dickin and Todd Bankhead fail to move the ball for the majority of the season. Number three was 2006, the year we brought in Moss, Pow Pow, Josh Ronick, and Corey Holmes. And we thought we had a supercharged offense that never got off the ground. And then his last one, number four, was 2016. He said, 2015, we were so good before Zach got injured. But in 16, we have the whole team back. Mazzoli has shown he was a more than competent backup. And Caleros was going to be all healed up. And we were just mediocre and out of the playoffs in the first round. There's been other years we were worse, but my expectations were so much lower going into that. It didn't hurt nearly as much. What say you? So, Mike, Jim gave a number of great examples there. What say, but what say you? Is this year the most disappointing iteration of the Ticats that you can remember? Or is there another year where you had sky, these types of sky-high breakup expectations and you were even more disappointed than you are so far this season? I'm going to go. I'm going to have to go with this year. I hmm. think that, you know, having... The Grey Cup at home, all the hype, all the players they brought in, Bo Levi Mitchell coming in. You know, I, I had high expectations, and I, I've i been disappointed uh, thoroughly that the defense has played terribly overall. We, I mean, we've beat Ottawa three times, and then, you know, whoever else we beat in the other two games, I can't even remember at this point. But Edmonton and BC. Yeah, so BC was the only one that's like, wow, we actually we actually beat a contender. So I think this one's really high up there. I'll I'll piggyback off uh, Jim's 1996. I remember being super excited about Matt Dunnigan coming into to Tiger Town, and obviously we know what happened there. Um, I can't remember the exact years, but the year that Casey Printers came in, you know, he came off being an electrifying player with the BC Lions. He goes down to the NFL. He comes back and chooses to sign with our Tiger Cats, and it was a complete disaster. And then the the year that the first year with Burris and we had we had, uh, you know, a terrible, terrible defense, but a a really high octane offense with George Cortez as the head coach. That was a really disappointing year, but I'm going to have to give it to to this year because the 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 great cups at home. You know, we had a couple years ago. We had it in Hamilton. We were in the game. We lose. This is supposed to be that full Grey Cup because it was during COVID when we had it, right? This is supposed to be, you know, full festival. The team's supposed to be in it. We're supposed to win, break the the 1999 curse. And it's been pretty much full disappointment all season long. This one ranks really high up there. 
but I don't think I have it at number one. You touched on it briefly, 2012, the George Cortez year. He was supposed to be the quote-unquote finishing coach, the guy who would take this team from consistent playoff contender. They had been to the playoffs the previous three seasons. They had been to the East Final the year before. He was supposed to take them over the hump and get them to the Grey Cup to become champions. They brought in Henry Burris. They signed Andy Fantuz. They finally got Sam Jaguer to come north. They had Chris Williams coming back after his Rookie of the Year season in 2011. The defense still had Marquise Knowlton and Jamal Johnson and Ray Williams, and they looked primed to take that leap after coming up short the previous three seasons with Marcel Belfay. And they started hot. They started 3-2 and two that year. They went. That was uh, one of the two times they've actually won in Saskatchewan over the last decade. They went into there. They beat them 35-34 in Week 5. It was They were down, I believe, I think it was – it was either 20 or 17, 14. They were down a couple scores in that game, and they come roaring back to win that one. Then they finish the year 6-12, and 12, and the way that they lose in the final week of the season, they had a chance to make uh. the playoffs, and they go into Toronto against an Argos team that had clinched second in the East. They were resting Ricky Ray. They were starting backup quarterbacks, and they lost 43-40 to 40 in a shootout. Now, hindsight being 20-20, the two quarterbacks they faced in that game were Trevor Harris and Zach Kolaris. So it's not as if, you know, history will be more kind on that team, but there was no reason they shouldn't have gone in there and won. They should have clinched a playoff spot. That offense was humming. Chris Williams should have been most outstanding player that year, quite frankly. I know Chad Owens won it, and deservedly so because the Argos were a better team, but Williams had set the record for kick return, like overall special teams touchdowns that year or he tied the record. I can't, he scored six on punts and kickoffs. He had 17 touchdown catches. I think like he was an absolute monster that year should have won. It was his, it was his last real year in Hamilton, unfortunately, but that defense was absolutely atrocious and they couldn't stop Casey anybody. Crean, right. Casey. Crean yeah, was the it was easy. Absolutely. And like I had, I went into that season thinking this was going to be the year, but to me, number one, and it's, it's almost not close was two years ago, 2021. And the reason I say that is I went into that season and I literally wrote an article saying the tie cats wouldn't lose a game that year. They were bringing back the, almost the entire team from 2019 when they went 15 and three, I thought that they were going, like, even if I was wrong and they weren't going to go undefeated, I thought that was, that team was going to win 12 games at a minimum. And mm -hmm. they come out the first week of the season and lay an egg against the bombers and never really, I know they made it to the Grey Cup, but I thought that team was loaded for bear two years ago. I thought they were going to just run roughshod over everyone, but like Brandon Banks fell off a cliff. You know what I mean? And it's just like you ha you go from MOP in 2019 to barely playable in 2021. I don't think anyone saw that coming. But because they made me look so foolish, and because I ge genuinely believe, like I, I know I, people accuse me of like, you know, hot takery and saying things to cause, you know, a stir or whatever. I genuinely believe that team. And Derek Taylor, who was at the time the play-by-play -play guy for the Riders, now play-by-play -play guy for the Bombers. Yeah, obviously, remember that. at that time, he was the same thing. He looked at that schedule and goes, how did the, uh, does this team go 13-1? Like, other people outside of me thought that that team was just going to steamroll everybody. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that year was probably more disappointing because, while we came into this year with great cup expectations, and I did think this team was going to win the, we both at the beginning of the season, we both predicted this team would win the championship. 
I genuinely believe that team in 2021 could have gone undefeated to start the year. So my expectations for that one were higher. Therefore, to me, that's the more disappointing iteration of the team. Even if ultimately this one probably won't get as far. I didn't think that th- this team always felt to me like at best a 12-win team, maybe 13 if, if things bounced their way. That team I thought was going to go 14-0. So, I, and again, they made me look foolish pretty early on. So I'd have to go with that one. And 2012 is a really close one too just because – it felt as if they'd been knocking at the door, get to the playoffs in 2009, get to the playoffs in 2010, win a playoff game, in much, slay the Montreal Dragon in a classic playoff matchup in 2011, get embarrassed in the East Final, but they're, they keep, it looks like you're chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. They bring in an offensive guru who lived up to the billing, quite frankly, as an offensive coach, yeah. but that defense was just so terrible. And to lose the way they did in the last week of the season with the, the possibility of making the playoffs – that was, I think, a little more disappointing. And, of course, we don't know how this one's going to end, but I do think that this one does deserve mention amongst the more disappointing seasons because I don't think anyone, uh, you know, other than the people who are just like, the Ticats are going to go winless every year, I don't think anyone predicted this team would be where they are right now at the start of the season. I think everyone thought they'd be a lot better than this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even with Bo Levi Mitchell not playing up to his standard the last couple of years, you figured he'd come in, his shoulder was healthy, you know, the way that he played in that playoff game last year in limited reps, but he came in and proved that he can still make those deep throws. And, you know, it just didn't turn out that way. Maybe he comes back and 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 lights the world on fire the last five games of the season or so. But, you know, that's still to be seen. It's so sad that we mentioned to you mentioned a couple more that Jim didn't mention. Jim had four. We have this one like. That's way too many disappointing seasons, man. Like, where mm-hmm. where are the non-disappointing seasons? 1998, 99, I guess. Maybe 2019 up until the end. Like, man, oh man, there's way too many to choose from. That's that's the true crime here is that there's so many that we could pick from. That's true. And it's like, you know, they always come in to the season with high expectations. Some less than other years. But, uh, yeah, there's been many disappointing seasons over the last 20 or so years. It's why why I don't get as uh, as angry when when people chide me about being a Ticats fan. It's like, man, nothing you say or do could hurt me as much as this team no, has over no team, my yeah. lifetime. I've seen Thank them you. lose way more than they've won. It, I'm my skin's pretty tough. I don't know about yours, but my skin's pretty tough on this one. Yeah, we've been through we've been through it all with the Tiger Cats. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's play a game. We're gonna play a little all in or all out, Mike. Let's get it started here. The Argos and the Bombers looked awesome last week, both obliterating their respective opponents. Toronto handled the Alouettes rather easily, beating them 39 to 10, while the Bombers did stuff to the Riders that I'm fairly certain is illegal in nine of the 10 provinces when they dog walked them 51 to 6 in the Banjo Bowl. Both teams have clinched playoff spots, and the 10 and 1 Argos can clinch the East Division title with a win this weekend against Montreal. For those listening at home, we are recording this on. The 12th of September, and the Argos are potentially four days away from clinching first in the division. That's insane. Certainly looks like these two teams are headed towards a collision course that will take place at Tim Hortons Field on November the 19th. So, Mike, I got to ask you, are you all in or all out on the Argos and Bombers meeting in the Grey Cup for the second consecutive season? Unfortunately, I'm all in on this. I I have a, a tough time believing that someone in the East is going to knock off the Toronto Argonauts in the playoffs. And I know that it's a one game thing, uh, 
in football and anything can happen, but they just look so good. And it's the same with the Bombers. You know, early on in the season, you could see some cracks maybe in in the Winnipeg, but I think they've they've came back to what they've been the last couple of seasons. The offense is cooking. You know, their defense is strong. Um, obviously, they're they're coached very well. So, and I think they're motivated to get back there to win it all because I feel like they got cheated. I feel like they feel like they got cheated out of a, another Grey Cup victory last year. So, uh, I, I see this. I'm all in on Toronto and uh, Winnipeg in the Grey Cup again. I said earlier this season, and I'm pounding the table and standing by it, I'm all out. I think one of these teams is going to get got before they get to the Grey Cup. And I'm planting my flag right now, buddy. The Argos are not making the Grey Cup. I don't know if it's the Alouettes or the Tiger Cats, but one of those two teams is going to knock them off in the East Final. This may look stupid in two months' time. People can call me an idiot if I'm wrong, but I am sticking my flag in the ground on this one. These two teams do not meet in the Grey Cup. One of them's getting beat, and I'm saying it's the Argos. Maybe that's wishful thinking on my part. But look, I know what everything you just said was all logical, and I understand it. I'm going on emotion here. I'm going on feel. One of these teams is not making the cup. I think it's going to be the Argos, but I also think it could be the Bombers. We are not getting a rematch in Hamilton that we had last year. I'm saying it now. I'm I'm 10 toes down on this one. I'm not 10 toes down on the Ticats anymore, but I'm 10 toes down on this. These two teams don't meet in at Tim Hortons Field on the 19th. It's someone else. One of these two teams is definitely not there. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what I'm going with. And honestly... Hamiltonians, like, yeah, okay, people think we're dirtbags or assholes or whatever you want to say. Do we really deserve the, I don't even know what to call it, the slap in the face, the, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but of seeing the one team that everyone in this town hates against mm-hmm. the team that twice beat this team, including in their own barn, in that like, cost, like, stop them from breaking their own streak. Like if we get that matchup where the vast majority of people in attendance would rather see unspeakable things happen to members <laughs> of their own family than watch either of those two teams hoist the gray cup again, there's no way the football gods will allow that to happen. No one in this, like we've dealt with enough. Do we, mm-hmm. do we really need to deal with this? That just wouldn't be fair. And I can't believe, I believe in the football gods. I believe they exist. I can't think that they would actually allow that to happen and, and have us sit there and watch one of these two teams win the championship. I just, no, I, I can't see it. I can't see it. All right. So Mike, the red blacks suck again. After a promising start to the Dustin Crum era that saw him nearly rally to beat the Ticats in July, and then he followed that up with a pair of overtime wins over Winnipeg and Calgary, the wheels have completely fallen off. Ottawa's lost six straight to sink to three and nine, and just lost to a Ticats team that had three days rest while the Red Blacks were coming off their bye. It has been a long descent back down to the basement for the Red Blacks the last few years after a run that saw them make three Grey Cups in a four-year span and, of course, winning it all in 2016. The last four seasons in the nation's capital have been abysmal. The Red Blacks are 13-49 and since the start of the 2019 season, and that includes a 7-23 and run since Sean Burke took over as the team's GM in 2022. This team looks like it will once again miss the playoffs, doing so for the fourth consecutive season, and they do not seem 
any closer to getting back into contention anytime soon. So Mike, are you all in or all out on the red blacks needing to blow this whole thing up again and just start from scratch? I think I'm all in on this one. I think they do need to blow it up. You know, the Ottawa tiger cats are, uh, you know, they took all our players, right? And they, all our players that didn't win shit when they were here and you expected them to win there. It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. And Sean Burke was heralded as like this big, you know, and nothing against him. He's a fine uh, GM, I'm sure, you know, uh, but he just seemed to cling to his former team, bringing in a ton of players from Hamilton where, yes, they had success in those years, but they never could get over the hump. Maybe things would be different if Jeremiah Mazzoli was healthy this whole time, but unfortunately he has not been. And uh, I don't know if they found a new quarterback in Dustin Crum. I just think that overall their team isn't very good and they might have to blow it all up after this season. And I'm not sure they have the coach in place either, like Bob Dice. I would give Bob Dice another year, to be honest with you, but it it hasn't gone well for him either. I don't know if... Well, I'm all in on them blowing it up. I just don't know how you go about doing it, because I do agree that firing Bob Dice after one season I don't think is fair. Personally, unless you show yourself to be just truly terrible or someone who... A Don Matthews type decides I want to coach your team or a Wally Buono type decides I want to coach your team. Then then you make a move. But other than that, I think you you kind of stick with it. But the moves they've made to improve this roster haven't worked out. They've relied on. Look, I'm a I'm as big a Jeremiah Mazzoli fan as you'll find. I loved him during his time with the Ticats. He is the same player he's always been. There's there's good. He shows brilliance. He shows boneheaded decisions. But he hasn't played a full season since 2018, and that was a long time ago. We were much younger men back then, Mike, and we are now in 2023, and he's played, what, maybe 20 games at most in the last five years? Like, that's not – he's – you. if you're relying on him to be your starting quarterback, you better have a very good number two. I just don't think you can count on him to play a full season anymore, as sad as that is. He's getting older now. He's in his mid-30s. Like, the body's now been injured consecutive years in a row, and that's compounded with also the the torn ACL he suffered in 2019 here. That was kind of the beginning of the end for him as a viable every down, every week starting quarterback. And if you don't get the quarterback position right, you're kind of toast in this league. And I don't think that they have... I, Dustin Crum looked great when he when he got in there, and then as soon as teams got the beat on him, hasn't looked so hot since. So I don't know what you do here. Like Sean Burke, we everyone was, and I think you and I were included in this. Like, oh my God, we lost Sean Burke. That's that's going to kill this team. And Ticats haven't been any anything hot, but neither are the Red Blacks. Like they've somehow not not necessarily gotten worse, but they haven't gotten better, and that's the problem there. I don't know what they do to fix what they they've done because. It spanned regimes like it was it was this started with Desjardins and, and Rick Campbell and then went to Desjardins and La Police and then went to Burke and La Police and then went to Burke and Dice. Like it's it's been two general managers. It's been three head coaches. It's been who, how many starting quarterbacks, how many like they've rotated guys in and out of this lineup. They just can't get it done. And four years in the basement, like it shouldn't take. And it, it aside from that Ticats team that we were lamenting earlier uh jim talked about the 06 team 05 06 07 08 like the tie cats were terrible and in the basement but then 
you get out of it, you don't normally see a four, five, six year sort of rebuild. They thought they were supercharging it by bringing in a bunch of ex Ticats players that Burke was familiar with. And like I said, they didn't win anything here. They're not winning anything there. And somehow, and now they're just older, injury prone and worse. So I don't know what they do to fix it, but I do think that this could be, I think everyone will get another year, but I think if you bring this team back pretty much as is with the same coaching staff and the same front office, can you really expect anything different? Like, isn't it just going to be the exact same thing we've seen in the last two years with this group? Yeah, you'd think so. And if, if crumb isn't the answer, like what's next, they're in real big, what's next. And uh, do they sign someone in the off season? I don't know who the free agent quarterbacks are going to be, but they need someone uh, reliable to lead that team. I don't and, think, I don't think there is a big free agent quarterback because they were all free agents last year. That's like true, it yeah. was, it was Bo, it was Trevor Harris, it was Zach Claris before he signed an extension was a pending free agent. Like Chad Kelly signed his extension, Jake Mayer sticking in Calgary. Like I there's there I don't think there the the one thing I think we talked about this on it was either one of the pregame or postgame shows we did, because I know you and I have talked about it. The the only ants the only thing that changes any math is if Nathan Rourke comes back. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I don't know if he'd necessarily go to Ottawa, but if he went back to BC or went to one of the other teams. That's a domino that can affect, like, let's say, hypothetically, he comes back. He goes, I'm an Oakville kid. I want to play close to home. He's not going to go to the Argos. They have Chad Kelly. Well, he comes to Hamilton. Well, if Hamilton gets Nathan Rourke, Bo Levi Mitchell's gone. And then, so there's dominoes that could fall. But I don't think Rourke's coming back this year. So, or, like, coming back to play in the CFL for next season. Like, what's the answer at quarterback? Because Crum doesn't look like it's it. Mazzoli, you can't trust him. Dane Evans is not like, why would the lions who have this backup plan with, with Evans, like there's not a whole lot of great backup quarterbacks. And why would a team like, like let Taylor Powell's look good. You know what I mean? But wouldn't he be a much better option? Like you'd want to keep him around. He's on a, he's on a cheap, you know, entry level deal. You're not going to trade him to a division rival if you think he's any good. So I just don't see where they can go at the quarterback position. And if they can't get the quarterback position, right. They're toast. Yeah, and their offensive line isn't that great either. So they'd have no. to fix that. And they spent a lot of somewhat. money there too. Yeah, they did. So I think they're in trouble for, for next year and maybe the year after that. I think it might be a long stretch for these Ottawa fans. And they've already been through a lot. I know that they came into the league and uh, minus their first year in the league, they've been pretty darn good and pretty darn spoiled. They've won a Grey Cup, right? But, you know, the last couple of seasons, especially at home, have been terrible. And I can see that stretching out here for the next year or two. And if they, if they, let's say they bring everyone back next year, if it's a similar season where they go five and 13, then everyone will be gone and they'll be starting over again. It just, it could you, if this team goes a couple more years, it's like now we're going into the second half of a decade. Like it's been four years since this team's been competitive. They've had four bad seasons. They're probably not making the playoffs this year. Do it again. Five years. Like you don't normally see that. You know what I mean? In the CFL. And then no, and we've seen, and the thing is, outside of that small blip where they were, like, they won that great cup, they got to three, two of those years were above 500, everything else was under 500, Ottawa's been pretty bad when it comes, like, whether it's the Renegades or the Rough Riders, like, outside of that pocket there, pretty abysmal football in Ottawa for, like, 40-something years, so it's not as if there's, like, a history of, like, oh, the Rough Riders did this and we can, you know, reach back into that. Rough Riders for the last 
almost felt like 20 years of their existence were barely clinging on to like relevance. You know what I mean? Like standings wise, I don't necessarily mean like relevance in the, in the marketplace. And then we know the renegades never made the playoffs. They stunk the four years they existed. And then Ottawa had that, that, and you, you would think like, Oh, they had this success at first. And this is, Oh, they're, they figured out the expansion thing and then the league changed the rules like for versus when they expanded before. And like, this is how you help. That's great. Came and went rather quickly, did it not? Now they're back to being absolutely terrible. I just, I just don't know where they go from here. Like this is, this is as bad a run as we've seen. This might be the worst run we've seen from a team since the Ticats in the mid two thousands. Like I don't think another team has been this sustainably bad for this long. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I suppose you could say the Elks for two or three years. They've been yeah. really, really bad. But, but, but yeah, yeah. I, I know. And they've had, uh, okay. like you said, it's been. Years and years and years beside that blip for Ottawa, and you you wonder, like they're the fans are still showing up, and credit to them for that. But how much longer is that going to last, too? Right? So you have to start thinking about about the financials of the team as well. So I hope they can turn it around and at least be respectable, and at least have an exciting team to bring fans back out. Because like obviously, I don't think they're going to fold again, but we've seen them fold twice, and we don't want to get close to that again. No, and I really liked egging on Red Blacks fans. Like that was a lot of fun during those years where where the Tie Cats Red Blacks rivalry was pretty fierce. Maybe even for that small pocket of time, fiercer than the Red Black or the Tie Cats Argos rivalry because the Argos just mm-hmm. weren't really that all that good in that time frame. But I kind of miss Red Black. Like I don't get Red Blacks fans calling me names anymore, and I kind kind of yeah. miss it a little bit. Like I wish it was yeah. still there, but. They gotta, they gotta get. I know the Thai Cats aren't aren't hot shit or anything, but the Red Blacks gotta find a way to at least get back to being competitive because it's it's kind of dull when they're. It's no fun kicking someone when they're down, and they've been down for a while now. I, I don't know. Just prefer it when they're good, so that at least there's a there's a slimmer of hope that this could be a, a real rivalry once again. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. All right, game preview time, pal. The Thai Cats host the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We talked about this a little bit earlier at Tim Hortons Field on Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon. The Tabbies have won two of their last three, while the Bombers once again sit atop the West Division standings at 10-3. and three. Touched on this a little earlier, if you recall. It was almost a year ago to the day that these two teams met in Hamilton in a game that many thought was equally as lopsided as this one when the Ticats were 3-9 and nine and in the midst of a terrible season, and they somehow manhandled the Bombers 48-31 to 31 in a game that wasn't even as close as that score would indicate. That win catapulted the Tabbies to a 5-1 end-of-season run that saw them go from 3-9 and nine to 8-10, and 10, salvaged that season. Unfortunately, as we know, ended in the East semifinal of the Alouettes. But at this point in time in the year, last year, we did not think this Ticats team was even capable of making the playoffs. And then they beat the, the Bombers. That sends them on this amazing end-of-year run, which could could a victory here do the same thing? We'll have to wait and see. So, Mike... Do you think the Ticats can repeat that feat from a year ago? I know, again, you, you kind of leaned earlier towards them not winning this game, but if they can win this game or if they – what do you think they need to do to make that victory happen? Is there a couple of things that the offense or defense needs to find a way to do so that they can repeat what they did a year ago at this time? Figueroa and Murray, the tackles, they need to play a hell of a game. They need to give Taylor Powell a ton of time like they did last week against the Ottawa Red Blacks. If they give him time to throw, Powell's a pretty darn good quarterback. And listen, it's going to be a test, obviously. Jefferson and uh, Jeff Coat are obviously great players, but 
so are Figueroa and Murray. They're they're two of the best tackles in the league. So let's just see how they play out, if they can give him time, if the offensive line can open up holes for the running game as well, because we didn't really see that last week. If James Butler can have a big game and Taylor Powell can have time in the pocket, they got a shot. Uh, if they limit the penalties, they got a shot. If they limit the turnovers, they got a shot. But... You know, that's a lot to ask for against a really, really good Bombers team. But if, if they can do those three things, I think the Ticats can maybe pull off the upset. I think the big thing they got to do is find a way to be a competent run defense. I know it's the modern era of football and all anyone cares about is pass, 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 pass. But the Bombers will get up on you and then just pound the piss out of you in the run game with Brady Oliveira. And the Ticats have been abhorrent against the run this year. They gave up what, like? 150 yards on the ground last week to the Ottawa tailback whose name escaped me because he's played like a dozen games, if that, in the league. So Williams, yeah, you're right. It was Williams. Like, but he's barely played. Like he's he's not a known commodity and he ripped him apart. And that was with Dylan Wynn in the lineup and Dylan Wynn won't be in the lineup this week. So it's like they have to find a way to reverse everything they've done essentially over the last few weeks, this maybe this entire season almost. If they jump out to like if they if the game plan they had against BC, I'm not saying you have to do the exact same game plan, but if they can jump out to a lead and make the bombers one dimensional, as in like they get away from the run game, if they can control time of possession, like we've seen the blueprint for Hamilton to beat a good team, they need to do that again. And I think that a lot of it stems from James Butler getting going on the ground. I think it's giving Taylor Powell some especially early, some easy completions. I think we've seen a rejuvenation in Tim White over the last few weeks. Like if you, if you go and look at my piece on three down, I talked about the difference in what he's done with Tommy Condell's offensive coordinator and what he's done with Scott Milanovic's offensive coordinator night and day. So you can get him going, you can get the run game going and you can stop the bombers from being able to run it down your throat. I think that's what they need to do. And it's a tall task. We haven't seen them do anything against the run this year. And we've seen them look pretty bad against, for the most part, against the really good teams in this league. So it's a lot to ask this team to do, but that's kind of what I see them needing to do to get this win. And if they win this game, again, much like I won't, we we agreed to earlier, I won't get too too low if they lose. I'm going to try to temper myself if they win because last year we saw they did this. And then the season, even though they, they rolled off five wins in their last six, the season didn't end with a championship or even a great cup appearance. So I won't get too high on my own supply or high on the Ticats supply on this one. But if they can find a way to out physical Winnipeg, I think they can win this game. I think that's the key to this one. You're, you're you win in the trenches, like you said, with the offensive line. But if you run the ball and stop the run, I think they can win this football game. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, taking away Oliveira, it's, he's been a he's in a, been a pretty good fill in for Andrew Harris once he left the, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and. Obviously, he has a really good offensive line in front of him. But, yeah, it comes down to the trenches, I think. If they can win on the offensive line and win uh, on the defensive line, they'd have a pretty good shot. All right. How did it feel to get back into the swing of things? You, you, now that we've it's done good. this, now we've got an episode under our belt after that long layoff. You feel good? You feel ready to get down to this last six games of the season now? Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to the postgame show on the weekend because it's an afternoon game. And maybe we'll get... Uh, We'll get a bigger crowd uh, showing up to uh, to listen to us ramble on about the Tiger Cats after the game on Saturday. 
Yeah, a little bit easier to get people to tune in when it's not at eleven thirty at night yeah. in the east. Yep. Especially if if uh, after a loss, I don't think a lot of people want to hear us go. This sucked after mm-hmm. a, after a loss that late in the day. But yeah, c- come join us for the live post game show. We'll be doing probably about an hour or so after the game. As you know, I'll be at Tim Hortons Field watching the game, so we'll probably be a little later than we normally would be if it was a road game. Uh, one last plug for Patreon. Mike's going to have some stuff up there this week. I'm going to have some stuff up there this week. The Ticats are, but they have a full week of practice this week. I was at practice today. I did an episode of my show. So if you want to go over there and listen to it, it's there telling you about what I saw at practice today. Uh, I'll be updating a couple more times this week. So we got some good stuff going on over there. And then you can join us for the post game show. I guess it'll be probably around eight or so Eastern time on, uh, on Saturday, and we'll hopefully be talking about a tie cats win. But until then, that was Podski Wee Wee for this week. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.